Well, good morning. It is great to have each of you here today with us. And uh, as we continue in our series, Like a Good Neighbor, I had to share a story that Jaime told the uh, the youth group on Monday. They had a pool party over it at my house and, and uh, they had a devotional afterwards. And uh, Jaime told us a little bit about what a good neighbor really was. And he told us a story about Deanna Williams. And I think Deanna, uh, she isn't able to be here today, but she's watching right now. And and if you haven't met Deanna, you need to meet Deanna. Wonderful lady. She takes care of all the lawn up here at the at the church and does an excellent job doing that. But Deanna lives three doors down from Jaime. And I said, hey, Jaime, you're going to have a good neighbor whenever I found out he was getting the house there. And sure enough, he says, whenever at the beginning when he was living there, I guess as the, as the, uh, uh, when did you move in? In, in, in October? Did you still mow lawns then or something like that? I don't know. One morning he wakes up and he hears a lawnmower real close to his, to his, uh, window and he looks out and it's Deanna just, Mowing his lawn for him like a good neighbor. What a wonderful, wonderful gesture that a neighbor could make. But then, not just a good neighbor, Deanna goes above and beyond and he sees her go back to the house and grab a weed eater. And then weed eats, not just mows, that's that on, on your, on your ride lawnmower, that's, that's kind of easy. That's a good, easily neighborly thing. But going out and weed eating, that's incredible. And so we all should be asking ourselves, what does it mean for us to be a good neighbor. How can we be a good neighbor to those that we live next to? How can we be a good neighbor to those in this, uh, in, in this neighborhood that our church lives in? And so we've got to have that in our mindset. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we can do those. Jaime told us in announcements that we are about to have on July 25th, there's going to be a potluck after, after worship and after class. And, and we will talk about all the things that we did in the congregational meeting about some of the ideas that we have and how we're going to implement those and how we're going to go about doing that. And so please be here July 25th and we're going to, we're going to enjoy that. And then August 14th, we're going to have, that's a Saturday. We're going to have kind of like a big end of summer celebration block party, um, that, that's going to invite the neighborhood out here. So be here for that. That's going to be wonderful things, but it's a good question that we should often have of, how can we be a good neighbor? And Jesus was asked lots of incredible questions. Jesus, as he would walk around, he would teach with such power and with such authority, and it would bother a lot of the experts around. It would bother them because this is not someone that was trained in teaching the law of Moses or teaching the Bible to people. This was a carpenter. This was a neighborhood handyman. And he would teach... As one taught with authority. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. It says, when Jesus finished saying these things, when Jesus finished teaching, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. And so because they were the teachers of a religious law were offended that this carpenter could teach so well, they would try to test him. And they would try to find different ways to test Jesus and, and, and catch him, with the, that try to get him to fail in his teachings or, or try to get him to stumble in what he was going to say. But Jesus never stumbled because Jesus is the true teacher. 
He is the true rabbi. He knew the Scriptures like none other because the Scriptures came from Him. As John 1 says, He was the Word, right? This is all who Jesus is. And so, one day, a lawyer gets up. And uh, some, of the, some of your versions might say, say a lawyer, and some versions might say uh, an expert in the religious law, but that's the law that they practiced. Everything they practiced was a religious law. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 today. And it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a great question that the, that the lawyer puts to the teacher. This is an incredible question. If this is someone that knows who God is, claims He's the Son of God, then he should have lots of answers. And it's probably a question that we should be asking ourselves, right? What should we do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus knows that this is a question that's just meant to test him. Jesus knows that this man knows the answer to what he's asking. And so what does Jesus do? In Luke chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus says, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Jesus fully understands that this guy knows what his answer is. But he's trying to test Jesus. And he's also trying to get out of something. He's trying to create some sort of loophole. But the man answers, and he probably was around and he heard Jesus. Last week we talked about, uh, we talked about when they asked Jesus what the greatest command was. Jesus told them what the greatest command was. And now this man has heard it. This man should know it. And so he answers Jesus in verse 27, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Seemed pretty simple, and Jesus gave him the, uh, the simple, the, he, he, he said, you know it, you grew up learning it, if you actually do it, you live. And that's the big thing, it's not just knowing what the law is, knowing what God says, it's actually going out and living what God says. Letting it transform, letting it transform our hearts. This is the law of God. Not just written in a book, but written down in our hearts so that we go and live it. But the lawyer's sitting there and he's thinking about it. And he thinks about where these laws came from. Last week I told you, I think Jesus pulled it from Leviticus chapter 19. And another place you can pull it from is from the Ten Commandments. That's something that the lawyer and all those experts in the laws would have held in high esteem. We still hold that in high esteem today. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are interesting. The first four of the Ten Commandments are all things about God. So, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make idols to other gods. You should keep the, uh, you should have the Sabbath, keep it holy. So, those are the first four, and, and, and they all pertain to God and loving God with all your heart, all your soul, 
All your strength, all your mind. But then the last six have to do with people and how we interact with people. So how do we interact with our parents? It says, honor your father and mother. What do we do about when we get angry with people? You should not kill. You should not steal. You should not commit adultery. And then it says, and you have some neighbors out there. And maybe you like their things. And so don't covet what's in your neighbor's house. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your, ne- covet your neighbor's car. He wasn't talking about cars back then. But neighbor's things, the things that belong to the neighbor's, don't covet those. And don't speak poorly against your neighbor. And so these are the six things that, that talk about people. And so we have this thing that you often see, love God, love people. But what people are we supposed to love? And I was talking with a, uh, I was talking with a, an attorney friend of mine. He grew up and he was in the same youth group as me. And uh, we were talking about last week's sermon. And, and he said, I really liked how you brought out Leviticus in your sermon. And I said, that's one of the greatest things about cross-references in the Bible. Look in your cross-references and you get a fuller uh, example of what God means when He's talking about things. Because a lot of times with Jesus, He's referring to old things, things in the Old Testament. And so you get a fuller explanation of what's going on. I said, and this is to help keep the lawyers, and I was saying this tongue-in-cheek because He's a lawyer. I said, this is to keep the lawyers from trying to find loopholes. And he tells me this, and I love it, and I'll see if I can get the words right. He says, I would never look for an ambiguity or an omission in the text through which the intent of the statute, contract, or obligation may be evaded. What? Isn't that great lawyer speak? And what is that saying? We might not be able to speak like that, or we might not typically speak like that, but that's finding loopholes in God's law. Finding ways where that doesn't apply to me. Who is my neighbor? I like the people to the left of me. I like the people to the right of me. The people across the street are pretty nice. But the guy behind me, maybe he's a jerk. Is that really my neighbor? He lives in the back lot. That's not really my neighbor. That's what this guy's asking. Who is my neighbor? People that look different. People that act different. People that are a different political party. Are they my neighbor? Or is God just telling me to like the people I like? Because the people I like are kind of easy to love. But that's why this law, or this this, uh, story, this command, can get kind of hard. But if it's practiced correctly, it can make our world so much better. And so that's what the man says. He, he uh, looks at Jesus. And he says, I want to justify myself. Or he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus is about to let him know exactly who his neighbor is. And it's not going to be the answer that he wants. But it's definitely the answer he needs. And it's the answer that all of us need. 
And so he tells this story, and we don't know if it's a real story or we don't know if it's a, if it's a story that, that Jesus, because Jesus will speak in parables at times. It says in verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, the story that Jesus is telling is something that each of the people that are listening can identify very well with. Because Jericho is about 17 miles from Jerusalem. And, and Jerusalem is on a hill, and that's why every time they, they, uh, they're going up to Jerusalem, they're going up to a hill. But Jericho is down in the Jordan River Valley. And as you're going down, you're kind of going down a fairly steep incline, and that's actually a picture that you see right there of going to Jericho. And there's big rocks. And it's known, you never travel to Jericho alone. Because there's people that often hide in those rocks. And those people are going to try to take advantage of someone that's an easy target. And that's what happens to this man. There's some robbers. They come and they beat him and they take all of his stuff and, and even his clothes. They, he's, he's left half naked in, or he's left with nothing in the ditch on the side of the road half dead. That's the story, and it's a story that probably everyone in there has heard before. Because that's a dangerous road that people are walking down. But Jesus is about to tell a, 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 some, give some hope for the man that's lying there. Because who shows up? And we all know the story. But it's the religious man. It's the priest. The one that's going to help him. It says a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by to the other side. We think, how could you? How could you go to the other side? This is your fellow brother lying there in the ditch. How could you go to the other side? Well, we don't know what's going on with the priest. I'm sure the priest is busy. I'm sure the priest has lots of things that he is about to do down in Jericho. And if he goes there and he, he's, if he takes care of a bloody person, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take away his time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect him to where he's going to have to do all sorts of purification when he gets there. And realistically, he knows that his Levi is behind, uh, one of the Levites is behind him. And that's the job of the Levite behind him, right? Someone, someone else will take care of this man. Because he doesn't have the time. And we have to Look at that because in our life, we've seen people in need and we passed them up because we didn't have the time. Wherever we were going was more important than this person that's in need, at least in our mind. Maybe we sit there and we think about it a lot or maybe we just go about our business. But what Jesus is trying to get us to focus on is when we're walking down a path and we see someone in need, whether it's an extreme situation where the man is half dead in a ditch, or we just need to see somebody that needs a friend to talk to, that needs someone to mow their lawn, maybe. Do we stop and help or do we make excuses for we don't have time? This week, I'm preparing for this lesson. I just saw one of the greatest stories um, on Facebook, and, and it was it's a woman, and she is uh, her name is Julie Damro, and Julie 
is a nurse of 35 years in Holdridge, Nebraska. And she was on her way to her daughter's wedding. Her daughter's wedding. She is going to walk her daughter down the aisle, and yet she comes upon a wreck. Now, Julie has been working in the ER for the last 35 years. Does she have the ability to help this person in a wreck? She does. But look at her. You can see her right there. Look at that pretty dress that she's wearing. It's her daughter's wedding, her only wedding. She needs to be there. But what does Julie do? She pulls to the side of the road. She puts on her rubber gloves in her beautiful dress. And she holds the windpipe. And it allows the airways to open up for this person while she radios light or she calls life flight and takes care of that person until the paramedics in life flight get there. And she does all this, and with 10 minutes to spare, she's still able to walk her daughter down the aisle. Did this woman have things to do? Absolutely. She had things to do, but she probably listens and she might not even realize that this is, this is a verse, but she should have known, just like the priest should have known, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16, don't stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. When we see someone in need, we don't stand idly by. We stop and we help. If we have the ability to help, we help. And help, and no matter what the, the case is, if we have that ability, shouldn't we stop? And what an incredible example Julie shows us. But then we have the Levite. and He's walking behind the priest. He's there too. And he's going down to Jericho as well. I don't know if their priest and him are doing something together, but in verse 38 or 32 it says, So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Why did the Levite pass by? Why did he go? You know, if he's going to stop and help this man, it can be quite costly. This man already got beaten up and robbed and thrown in the ditch. This guy doesn't want to, want to have to deal with that as well. If he's stopping and he's helping him, he could get beaten too. He could get hurt too. At the very least, it's going to waste the rest of his day. It's going to cost him a full day. And it's going to cost him money. When we're called to help our neighbor, when we're called to love our neighbor, it is going to cost us. And we have to decide, are we willing to pay that cost? Sometimes it's financial. A lot of times it's just our time that's going to take to, to spend time with people. To Maybe it's going to cost us to step out of our comfort zone. If we're going to reach out to folks in our neighborhood right here, we are going to have to step out of our comfort zone and that is going to cost us. We're going to have to spend time and that is going to cost us. And we might have to spend some money and that's going to cost us. And we have to make that decision. Are we willing to pay the cost to be good neighbors? You see, the third one that Jesus talks about is the Samaritan. In verse 33 it says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
Now that version says, when he saw him, he took pity on him. What a, a prob- probably a better translation would be, when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. When he sees this man lying in the ditch on the side of the road that's half dead, he's been beaten, he has compassion. He doesn't see him as an enemy. He sees him as a child of God. And it, we talked about this a little bit in... Uh, in January, we talked about the Samaritans and the, and the reasons why the Samaritans and the Jews had so many uh, strifes. Because the Samaritans and Jews are, are basically, they're related. They, they, the Samaritans are, t- are the people that were in the northern kingdom in ancient Israel. And the Jewish people were from the southern kingdom. And the Jewish people got sent off to Babylon and the, and, and the Samaritans were sent up to Assyria. Captivity. And then when they all came back, the Assyrians assimilated with the Samaritans. And back then, there was a superstition. If, if you were in someone's land, you took on their God. And so they did have this mindset of who their God was. And so they followed the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. And they followed, they believed in God. And they had constructed a temple in Samaria to God. But fast forward several hundred years when Alexander the Great comes and Alexander the Great goes and he wants to put Greek gods in all the temples. The Samaritans, they allowed that to happen. But down in Jerusalem, they wouldn't allow it. The Jewish people wouldn't allow their temple to be desecrated with these fake Greek gods. And that angered the Jewish people that the Samaritans allowed that. And so what did they do? They went up and and a Jewish leader went and destroyed their temple up in Samaria. And in return, the Samaritans went and they waited for Galileans to come down to Passover and they slaughtered Galileans and they took their bones and they, they threw them in the Jewish temple to desecrate it. There's been some long-standing fights between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. And they hated each other for what they did for it with one another. But both of them believed in God. And both of them believed in the law of Moses. And so both of them should have had that same mindset of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Both of them had that mindset. And as the Samaritan is walking by, he might be thinking of Leviticus chapter 19. Do not stand idly by while your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. And so what does the Samaritan do? In verse 34 it says, He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. The Samaritan took what should have been his enemy and he puts him on his own mule, on his own donkey, and takes him to an inn. And pays two days wages. Was it costly? Yeah. His whole day was shot. 
He lost not only what he had for the, what he would have made for that day, but he lost the next two days' wages. Why? Because he wanted to love his neighbor. He wanted to show his neighbor the love that God wants us to show others. And so Jesus asks the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. We've all heard this story. This, the Good Samaritan has shaped our life. You'll see it all over, even in, in, the secular, uh, uh, in the secular world, they'll even have Good Samaritan laws. And it's because this is the perfect example of who do we go and help. And the word neighbor, if you translate it directly, it says, those who are near to you. And what God is asking is for us to help out those that are near to us. Those that are close by. When we see someone in need, we're called to help them. With whatever they need. If we can help them, if we have the means, if we have the ability, let's do it. That's what Jesus is saying. Maybe you're the one that's in need. Maybe you're the one that's the one that's broken down, in the ditch, beaten, and need and in need of a savior. And that's one of the ways you can also look at this story: is who comes down the path? Who's going to save you from your sin? Who's going to save you from uh, the 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 problems that are you're having in your life? We can have good neighbors save us, but none of us can save you of your sin. It's only Jesus Christ. The one that the world saw that was despised can come down and pick you up and save you. And you can be saved by Jesus today. You can be baptized into Him and you can be raised just as He was raised from the grave. And you can have eternal life in Him. And Jesus comes and Jesus shows us He is the good neighbor. He's the one that has mercy on us. He's the one that offers us grace. Can you be more like Jesus? Can you open your eyes and look for those that are in need? If you need any prayers of the church, we can pray for you. We can pray that you can uh, be a better neighbor. We can plug you into lots of good places where we can, we can be good neighbors to those around us. Or if you need to be baptized into Him, you need for Christ to pull you out of the ditch, we can do that today. We can baptize you into His name so that you can have eternal life. Whatever your need, please come while we stand and sing.